0: You're listening to the Hustled Up podcast, a lifestyle and business podcast jam-packed with tools and tips to help you navigate your business, career, and life as a goal getter, big dreamer, and multi-passionate doer. Grab your coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready to hustle up. Hello, welcome back. To- week's episode of Hustle Up. I am Laura and it is just me today. <laughs> Poor Holly, man. She is feeling under the weather once again. Her voice sounds a little raspy and she really needed to get some rest this weekend. So it is just me here today but not to worry. I have a super fun episode topic that I've been wanting to do for a while now. So before I even dive into that or the weekly recap or anything, I really quickly, of course, want to remind you all, wherever you're listening, if you are loving this podcast, to please take two seconds out of your day to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out so much and we super, super appreciate it. So I'm really not going to go into too much of a weekly recap, to be honest, because I don't think there was anything too eventful to report this week. I did get to celebrate my grandmother's birthday today. So that was honestly the highlight of my week. This woman turned 96 yesterday, if you could even believe it. And if you looked at her, you would not know she was 96. Like honestly, she's just so incredible. She still lives by herself is super self-sufficient. You know, she definitely has some uh, issues, of course, as anybody that is 96 would, but she's just honestly one of the strongest, strongest, most incredible people that I've ever met. So it was so nice to see her and my Aunt Linda today. We all hung out. The whole family went, me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. We all went to Brooklyn to go visit her, go out to breakfast, have cake, celebrate her birthday. So that was really, to be honest, the highlight of my week. I also did have a craft fair yesterday that was so-so, you know, it, we got some sales, but the numbers weren't quite as good as I would like, you know, for my magic from ear to ear business, but I do have a ton of ears, ton, a ton of Christmas ears in stock. If any of y'all want, if anybody's going to Disney for Christmas time, I have so many Christmas ears in stock, so I'm just going to shameless plug that right now. Um, oh, we also did have... One of our new employees start this week, and I am so happy to report that she passed her training. Our training manager, Ashley, was the one that thoroughly trained her, and you know Ashley killed it, which we knew she would. There was no doubt in my mind that she would absolutely kill it as our training manager, and she did. Uh, I feel totally confident for our new employee to go out next week by herself. It is a short week because we are closed on Thanksgiving and Black Friday. But I'm so happy to report that she passed her training and is starting next week on her own. Of course, we're going to go do some house checks as, you know, you have to do quality control and all that good stuff. But I know a couple of episodes ago we talked about what we're doing differently with our new employees. So I'm happy to report that so far so good it is working out for us. So we have another new girl starting uh, the week after. And I will absolutely report how that goes as well. So you can really see if our new habits and not, not habits. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm like already thinking about my topic <laughs> to see if our new systems are good. So speaking of habits, I actually have a, a super cool topic today, or at least I think it's super cool and fascinating. It's not super business related, I guess. Well, I don't know. I thought it would be a great thing to talk about because honestly, uh, you could apply all of this to your life to your business, to really anything. I have been reading this book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. It's not a new book. It's actually been out for a while. Um, It is an easy and proven way to build good habits and break old, no, break bad ones. Um, So that is what this book is about. And I'm honestly exactly halfway through, and I already have so much I want to talk about with this book. So even though I haven't actually finished reading it yet, I really wanted to come on here really just highlight a couple things that I've learned from this book, how you can apply what I've been learning to your life and how you can apply it to your business. So if this is a book that maybe you've had on your list to read and you haven't read it yet, go ahead and skip this episode. I am not about that spoilers life. I don't want to spoil this for anybody. I am going to be reading excerpts from this book and give you some facts and whatnot from this book. So if this is on your list and you do not want to get spoilers, you can catch me on the next one. If not, or maybe this is on your list to read and you're like, hmm, I want to learn a little bit more about this and see if this one is for me, then you should definitely keep on listening. Hey, Bestie, ever experienced the pain of spilling red wine on the carpet? Or maybe the kids had some oopsies while potty training? Trust us, we've been there. You already know about that time my boyfriend spilled an entire smoothie pitcher on my new carpet. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare that was. But don't stress, people. We got a solution for you. Our carpet cleaning surface reduces and even removes stains from food, pets, and um, unruly boyfriends. It leaves your rug smelling beautiful and fresh. And did you know we can even shampoo your couches too? What are you waiting for, friend? Give us a call at 631-397-0177 for a free quote. And be sure to find us on Instagram at Shores and More. Okay, guys, we are back. And as I said, we're going to be talking about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. And he says, tiny changes remarkable results. That is what it says on the first page. So before I even dive into anything from the book, I'm just going to define atomic and define habit for you. An extremely small amount of a thing, the single irreducible unit of a larger system, the source of immense energy or power. Habit means a routine or practice performed regularly, an atomic response to a specific situation. So you probably already knew what those words meant, but he does define that on the first page of the book. So I thought it'd be good for me to do that for you as well, just in case you didn't know what it meant. Now, the reason that I was first intrigued to even read this book is because honestly, I feel like if you're a human being alive on this planet right now, you probably can think of a couple, you know, habits off the top of your head that maybe you want to change or some bad habits you want to break, or maybe some really good habits that you want to start implementing. And I feel like I am one of those people that if I start building really good habits, I stick with them. (laughs) But I am a person of routine. I am a person of ritual. So if I start getting in those really bad habits, like if I start, you know, ordering a Starbucks drink every day and spending money that I shouldn't be, if I start getting in the habit of getting ice cream every night, I'm going to keep getting ice cream every night. And just the same way that that works, it works in the reverse as well. I am somebody that if I start going to the gym and I go to the gym every day for a week, you bet your ass I'm going to be going to the gym every day for five weeks, six weeks. So I definitely was attracted to this book immediately because I need to work on this. Like I'm such an all or nothing person that I am either like, and I know I'm talking about health a lot just because it's a topic that I'm passionate about that comes to my brain. I am either, you know, out here killing it, going to the gym twice a day, eating nothing but vegetables and grilled chicken, or I'm sitting my ass on the couch watching Netflix, eating freaking ice cream and cookies. So there's really no in between with me. And it's kind of the same way with work too and everything else in my life. I am so all or nothing where like if I'm focused on a goal, I am so focused to the point that I burn out. And then I get to the point where once that burnout hits, I don't want to do a damn thing. So this is something that I 1000% need to work on, which is why I picked up this book. So if maybe you struggle with the same things that I do, then this book would be an amazing read for you as well. So I'm going to basically read a couple excerpts, go through a couple lessons. And I mean, he covers so much in this book that I simply can't cover it all. So I'm just going to cover a couple bullet points that really stuck out to me and certain things that I've learned that I think that everybody could benefit from, especially when it comes to business. So the beginning of the book opens, and you know, he gives a little bit of backstory about his life and how he began developing habits and whatnot. So he does give a little bit of backstory. But the first story that he tells that isn't involving himself is about a British cycling team. (laughs) And I know this sounds a little odd, but the British cycling team They kind of sucked to put it in layman's terms. I'm going to like probably butcher half of this information and speak about it in layman's terms. Please. I hope you don't mind. The British cycling team sucked. They literally never won uh, a gold medal. Like since 19, I believe it's 1908. Since 1908, they won one gold medal at the Olympic games, one gold medal. So this man named Brailsford was hired by the british cycling team to really get them into shape and find out what their problem was and get them to essentially win gold medals once brailsford took over (laughs) between 2007 and 2017 they won 66 olympic or paralympic gold medals yeah crazy now i know what you're thinking what the hell does this have to do with habits Let me tell you, this is the first thing that I took away. And it really goes back to what I was just saying about being so all or nothing. Basically, what Brailsford did was try to increase the team by 1% each day. And the lesson that I take away from here is that, you know, small changes equal ginormous results. And I love the phrase, and this I did not get from the book. This I got from one of my coaches, actually. Have you ever heard the saying, how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Right? Think about it. you have an entire elephant to eat? It's ginormous. You look at this elephant and you're like, how the hell am I going to eat this whole elephant? One bite at a time. And it's like this with everything else in your life. So what did this, uh, you know, coach do? They made the most smallest, insignificant changes that weren't so insignificant because when you put them all together, they equal ginormous results. So, what did they do? They redesigned the seats to make them more comfortable for the cyclists. They uh, rubbed alcohol on their tires for better grip. They wore electrically heated shorts to maintain the perfect muscle temperature they hired a surgeon to teach them how to wash their hands at the perfect temperature to reduce catching a cold. Like, how insane is this? Now, what would you think, before I told you all of these small facts, what would you think that they would do to increase their odds of winning an Olympic medal? Probably train 20 hours a day, nonstop cycle, practice hard, work hard, all these type of things, go on an extreme diet to make them more athletically sound. No what they did instead was improve by 1% each day and if you improve by 1% each day for 50 days you're 50% better than you were before you started how crazy is that this literally opened the book and this honestly blew my mind like think about ice melting like for example if you're in a if you're in a cold room and maybe it's you know 40 degrees you're like oh man it's cold if you decrease the temperature by one degree every hour, you probably won't notice. You're gonna be like, yeah, it's cold. It was cold when I got in here, it's pretty cold now. But once it hits thirty below 32 degrees, ice freezes. It can be so minute of a change, one degree. The difference is one degree, whether or not ice melts or ice freezes. And it's the same with everything else. <laughs> I just love that analogy so much and I just was so jazzed about this. And I know I sound so passionate about ice melting and washing your hands at the proper temperature, but this is because, again, it really opened my mind in a way to make me realize, which I kind of already knew it's bad to think like this, but it really made me reiterate my all-or-nothing mentality and attitude. Like, it's crazy. Because think about it even in your business. If you're trying to improve your business, like... For example, we keep talking about how we revamped our entire business. And when we started, I was like, oh my goodness, I am overwhelmed. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And I believe on one of the episodes I talked about mind mapping, I mind mapped and I looked at what I could do right away. Because if you look at things in a bigger picture, you're going to overwhelm yourself so, so much that you will not be able to achieve anything. But if you work on things one small baby step at a time and stay consistent with it, you will eat that whole elephant. (laughs) So, yeah, this this was just so eye opening for me. Even if you think about it again with food, like for me, whenever I say, OK, I really need to lose some weight. I always go so, so extreme. I'm like, I'm going to cut out carbs and I'm going to cut out sugar and blah, blah, blah. And does it ever work for me? No, because I yo yo diet. I give up all these things because I go so to one extreme and then I lose it. So, the way like right now actually is a moment in my life where I'm like, okay, I need to get it together a little bit. I really need to focus on losing some weight and getting a healthier lifestyle together. So instead, I am trying to make small changes every day. Whether or not it's super small, like, you know what, I won't have that second helping of pasta. You know what, I'm not going to get ice cream tonight. I'm going to have an apple instead. These small little changes will start to develop habits that will be more long term than just going so extreme. Like if you try to reach that 50% right away, you're going to burn out. (laughs) You're not going to make these habits stick. But if you increase by that 1% that we talked about, these habits will stick and be much more long-term. Okay. The next thing I want to touch on in this book that he mentioned is goal achieving or setting goals. Because while of course it's amazing to have goals in mind, it's so important, especially when running a business or trying to achieve anything in life, goal setting is great. However, if you are only focused on the goal you most likely won't get there or keep it long term. And it's because, as he says in the book, achieving a goal is only a momentary change. Now, let me read an excerpt, from, an excerpt from the book so you understand where I'm coming from. Imagine you have a messy room and you set a goal to clean it. If you summon the energy to tidy up, then you have a clean room for now. But if you maintain the same sloppy pack rabbit habits that lead you to a messy room in the first place, soon you'll be looking at the new pile of clutter and hoping for another burst of motivation. You're left chasing the same outcome because you never changed the system behind it. You, tre- uh, you treated a system without addressing the cause. Now, this is so huge and I love the example of cleaning because hello, I'm cleaning lady over here. I love this example because it is so true and I am like tried and true prove an example of this because I'm gonna level with y'all and my mom can vouch for me. I was a sloppy, sloppy poppy, messy kid. Like my room was always a disaster. My mom would threaten me with the big black trash can to come in and scoop up all my toys because I was a disaster. Like I really did not learn good cleaning habits until I started doing it on a professional basis. Because uh, you know, I just I didn't notice I didn't care. And now that I care, I have developed good habits around cleaning that keep my space from getting outrageously messy. And I see it all the time. I see people that come to us and they're like, oh my gosh, Laura, you know what? I just let my space get so out of control that now I'm just too overwhelmed to maintain it. And it's so true. And it's because they didn't address the system or the root cause or the reason maybe that why it got so messy in the first place. Like I always tell people, First, have us come because you're going to be starting from a fresh blank slate of cleanliness. But also, if we come on a regular basis, it's easier to maintain. But if, you know, times are tough and you can't afford a professional cleaning service, of course, a way that you can create good habits around living in a clean space is just like he says in this book, addressing the root cause. Why do I let this place get messy? What? Why do I let it get to the place where I need a sudden burst of energy to really clean it Because think about it. Achieving a goal is literally only fixing a one problem that you have in that current moment. If you're not getting to the root cause and creating good cleanly habits, if I don't say to myself, you know what? Every day I'm going to make my bed. That's a great example. Every day I'm going to make my bed. Then it seems like such a small task. But if I make my bed every day, A, the room looks way neater and more presentable, which inspires me to pick up maybe some of the dirty laundry that's on the floor because I'm like, I have this beautifully made bed. I don't want dirty laundry next to my beautifully made bed. Also, making the bed each day makes you feel like you've accomplished something. You start the day doing something that you're proud of, something that you've accomplished. So that's a great habit to get into if you want to maintain a clean space. Maybe starting every morning by, uh, you know, I'm just going to tidy up the room. I do my deep cleanings once a week, maybe every other week, but I'm just going to tidy up the room every single day. It's these small habits. It doesn't even have to be you're going to tidy up the room. It could be if I ever see my pillows out of place on my couch, I'm going to straighten the pillows. I'm going to straighten the pillows. You do that for a week. Maybe the next week you say, you know what? I'm going to fold the blankets and I'm going to straighten the pillows. Small changes. Again, it goes back to what we just talked about. Small changes lead to big, big changes. So don't change just a temporary situation. Don't just wait till your room gets incredibly messy to make this big change that's only momentary. Figure out the root cause. Change the system behind the root cause because then you're not temporarily changing the situation. You're permanently changing the situation by changing the system that you have in place. And I mean, I'm just using cleaning as the example because that's what he used, which I just thought it was a great example honestly. Okay another thing that he talks about which I think this is so great because I feel like so many people do this subconsciously without even realizing it is they make their habits their identity. Now hear me out going back to the cleaning example because we were just talking about it. I said growing up I was a messy person. That was part of my identity. I was like you know what I'm a mess so why would I ever want to change it? If you are a smoker, for example, you don't say I smoke cigarettes, you say I'm a smoker, or at least most people do. The bad habit becomes your identity. (laughs) So something that he says in the book is, like all aspects of habit formation, this too is a double-edged sword. When working for you, identity change can be a powerful force of self-improvement. When working against you though, identity change can be a curse. Once you've adopted an identity, it can be easy to let your allegiance to it impact your ability to change. Many people walk through life in a cognitive slumber, blindly following the norms attracted to their, to their identity. I'm terrible with directions. Hello, that's me. I'm not a morning person. I'm bad at remembering people's names. I'm always late. I'm not good with technology. I'm horrible at math. Hello, that's also me. <laughs> and a thousands of other of variations. When you repeat the story to yourself for years, it's easy to slide into these mental grooves and accept the fact that in time you begin to resist certain actions because, well, that's not who I am. There is an internal pressure to maintain your self-image and behave in a way that's consistent with your beliefs. You find whatever way you can to avoid contradicting yourself which this is so interesting. Everything really in this book blew my mind because I never thought about this before. Like how weird to think that your habits are tied to your identity, but it's so true. I feel like even if it's negative things, as humans, we're so tied to our self-identity that we are reluctant to change. Change is scary. Change is uncomfortable. If I can get away with saying, oh, I'm bad at directions or I'm bad at math, and that's just who I am, why would I ever want to get better at those things if I can just lean on the crutch of, well, that's just who I am? It's the same with anything. If you're always late and you self-identify as I'm always late, you're never going to work on not being late because that's tied to your identity. And we deep down love our identity. We feel connected to our identity and who we are as a person. But if you can detach yourself from that identity, like if you're somebody that smokes don't say, Oh, I'm a smoker. Just be like, I am somebody that happens to smoke. Because if you say I'm a smoker, you're never going to stop. If you say like, he even talks about, I don't have notes on this section, but I do remember he talks about smoking as a habit to quit. Cause obviously that's a habit that so many people want to quit. It's got horrible health benefits. So if you say, Oh, um, I'm trying to quit. A lot of people when they're trying to quit smoking, right? They say, oh, I'm trying to quit. Don't say I'm trying to quit. Say I quit. I quit smoking. I am no longer a smoker. Because if you say I'm trying to quit, you're already setting yourself up for failure that I'm trying. I probably won't succeed. If you say, oh, I'm not a smoker anymore, you're already putting that on your self-identity of I am not a smoker therefore you're less likely to fall back into the old habits if you say I'm trying to quit you're like well I'm trying so if it doesn't work out which I'm you know not belittling at all how hard these things are to quit. Obviously, that's an incredibly hard habit to kick. Anybody that has kicked it, I give major props and major kudos because I've seen firsthand how hard it is to quit. So I'm not downplaying how easy or how hard any habit could be to break. Just trying to give you some tools to pass along that he said because the shit blew my mind, y'all. Never thought about it like that. Okay, so he also goes over how to create good habits. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about how to, you know, kick bad habits, but he talks about how to create good habits. So a good way to do that is, um, to write it down. Like if you want to create a habit, write it down and be extremely, extremely specific. Like I could just be like, oh, um, you know, I want to, I want to go for walks more. I want to go for walks more, but it's not specific. So I'm probably not going to end up doing it. However, if I write down exactly what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it and where I'm going to do it and write it down and put it on paper, I am so much more likely to get this done. For example, if I say, I will walk tomorrow morning at 9am around Tanner Park. That is so specific that there is no wiggle room. There is no way out of that. There's no like, oh, well, you know, I didn't plan it out. No, you planned it. You said when, you said where. So nine o'clock comes, I'm like, oh shit, I got to go walk at Tanner Park at nine o'clock and I'm more likely to go do it. Be extremely specific with all of your habits. Another good way is to use uh, what he calls habit stacking. So for example, say... um you know, I want to read more. Say I'm like, I want to read more. I want to read more self-help books. I want to read business books, whatever. So I have to say to myself after one of my current habits, I will do my new habit that I want to do. So one of my habits now is that I like to scroll through TikTok. That's a habit that's not necessarily good or bad. I mean, it can be bad if you do it too much. It's a pretty neutral habit that I have. So I could say to myself after I... Excuse me, after I scroll through TikTok, I will read 10 pages of a book. So you have it stack, you kind of get a reward, and then you do the task that maybe is not as glamorous or not something that you're dying to do. Another good thing to do is to design your environment in such a way where you're more likely to do whatever you would want to do. So for example, if I'm trying to eat better, but I always have cookies on my kitchen table, of course, I'm going to eat the freaking cookies. I'm human. I love cookies. I have a sweet tooth. Okay. But if I replace that box of cookies and instead I put bananas in that same spot, I'm more likely to eat fruit instead of sweets. So you want to design your environment to set yourself up for success. If I want to wake up at 5am and go to the gym before I start my workday, I have to set myself up for success. Maybe I will put my workout gear right next to my bed. So when I wake up, all I have to do is put on my workout gear, put on my shoes and go. Set myself up for success. If I didn't plan out my workout outfit, I'd probably wake up, roll out of bed and say, oh, I don't really feel like it. But if I've set up my whole environment with cues and obvious things that are visible, it's going to help you and myself create better habits. Okay. Now, how to break a bad habit. (laughs) You kind of want to do the opposite. You want to make it invisible. You want to make it unattractive, difficult, and unsatisfying. So you want to do the exact opposite. Reduce the exposure. Remove the cues of your bad habit. Take them out of your environment. So if I really want to quit cookies take those damn cookies out of the environment. And I know this can be difficult, obviously, if you live with a family or you have young kids that you don't want to deprive them of cookies just because you're trying to diet. There's still plenty of ways that you can set yourself up for success. Instead of having them out in a visible area, put them in a pantry and put them away, put them on the very top shelf that, you know, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to look at them every day. Just try to reduce your exposure to the bad habits. Okay, next we're going to talk a little bit about mindset shifts. And I'm sure you've heard about this before, but he did talk about it in the book and it was a great reminder for me. So, when it comes to habits or anything that you have to do that you don't really always feel like doing, change your phrasing to instead of I have to, change it to I get to. And I'm sure you've heard this one before like I said, but it's so true. So, I'm going to read a little bit from this book because he tells this story, too, that I think is so great. You have to get up early for work, but instead say you get to. You get to get up early for work. You get to make another sales call for your business. You get to cook dinner for your family. By simply changing one word, you shift the way you view each event. Your transition from seeing these behaviors as burdens turns them into opportunities. The key point is that both versions in reality are true. You have to do these things, but you also get to do them. You can find evidence from whatever mindset we choose. And now this, this is really incredible. It says, I once heard a story about a man who uses a wheelchair. When asked if it was difficult being confined, he responded, I'm not confined to my wheelchair. I'm liberated by it. If it wasn't for my wheelchair, I would be bedbound, never able to leave my house. How amazing is that? Like, that's incredible. Like, that ban is incredible because not a lot of people would have that mindset. A lot of people, myself included, would probably be like, oh my gosh, my life is so confined. I'm so restricted. But instead, he saw his wheelchair as a blessing. I'm not confined. I'm not restricted. I get to use this wheelchair to be liberated. And that's incredible. And I'm sure that that man lives a very, very happy life if he is able to shift his mind like that. And I just think that that's so incredible. And we could all do it. Because let's be real, we all do it. We all do it. Even amazing things. Like he did say at one point, I have to make another call for my business. I say that all the time. I'm like, oh, God, I got to call these people back. Hello? Like what an amazing thing. People are interested in your business. People want you to service them. What an incredible, amazing opportunity. I have to go work out. Oh, my God. No, you get to go work out. You were given the gift of legs that work. Your body is able to work out. You get to go work out. And I know that this is not easy. When it's like 6 a.m. in the morning and you're like, oh, shit, I'm sore. I'm tired. My bed is so warm. I don't want to get up. Of course, the first thing that comes to your mind is not, oh, yeah, I get to. No, but make the change. Even if you're not feeling it, even if you're really like, I don't want to get up. go work out right now. It's the last thing I want to do. If you're going to commit to doing it, change your mindset. And it'll guaranteed flip the switch. And again, this is not going to happen overnight. But if you say this to yourself every day and you're just conscious of it, just be aware of it. Even just recognizing it will probably change your mindset so much that you'll be amazed. I'm going to work on this because I am not very good at doing this. I'm going to be real with y'all. I am not good at this. And this is something that I absolutely want to start implementing because especially Thanksgiving is around the corner. And it's so easy to not remember gratitude. In the day to day. Like, let's be real, times are tough. It's hard. It's really hard to have gratitude in these moments where maybe you're stressed or you're struggling. But changing your mindset and bringing gratitude and like saying, I get to, that's having gratitude. I get to. That's going to change your entire day and your entire perspective. So, I'm going to try it. I think you guys should try it and let me know how it goes. All right, there is one last thing I want to go over and then I am done chewing y'all's ear off and then I'm going to read the rest of this book and come on and do a part two of what else I have learned if you guys enjoyed this because I got a lot of value from this book so I'm just trying to sum it up and take bits and pieces that I really enjoyed. So, chapter 11 is called Walk Slowly but Never Backward and I think that that was so interesting and essentially he tells a story about a man who, uh, his name was Jerry Olsman. He's a professor at the University of Florida. he was a photography teacher. And he did a little experiment where he split the classroom into two groups. And group A, he was like, okay guys, your assignment is gonna be based on quantity. So as many photos as you can get done, that's how you're gonna be graded. If you get me a ton of photos, you get an A. If you don't get me that many photos, you get an F but quality does not matter. It's just about the quantity. Group B, your task and your assignment is quality. I want the most perfect picture, but only one. All you have to produce for me the whole semester is one picture, but it has to be the perfect picture. Which group do you think got better results? Surprisingly enough, it was group A. The group that was tasked with the quanti- <laughs> the group that was tasked with the quantity gave better results than the group that was tasked with the quality, which is so insane. And this is because it's so important to take action. I mean, come on. I am so guilty of this. Is there anybody else who has a bit of perfectionist syndrome in the house? Just, you know, like raise your hand. I won't be able to see it anyways. But I think we can all, especially as entrepreneurs, be a little bit of perfectionists every now and again and we have to start believing in the death of perfection because something else I learned from my coach she loves to say done is better than perfect and that strikes a chord with me hard <laughs> and this is exactly what was the case with this photography class because you know group b sat there and they all were going over what would be the best lighting and the angle and what shot would be perfect and they're they're just theorizing they're talking while group a is out there filming shooting content trying test driving things okay this works this doesn't they're getting hands-on experience and they produce the better photo so essentially what he's saying is in order to achieve things You need to get out there and just freaking do it. (laughs) In layman's terms, you just got to get out there and actually do it. I'm going to read a little excerpt. It's easy to get bogged down by trying to find the optimal plan for change. The fastest way to lose weight. The best program to build muscle. The perfect idea for a side hustle. We are so focused on figuring out the best approach that we never actually take action. And I am so guilty of this so guilty of this <laughs> like i i i feel this so hard and it's so true i mean how many of y'all don't get things done because you're redoing them and redoing them and <clears throat> i am so guilty of this even with social media as an example sometimes before i post a video i film it the most simple video like 5 times and i am just wasting time whereas if i just filmed it and got it out there i'd be able to produce so much more content but because I'm so obsessed with perfection, and I have been working on this, and I have gotten a lot better with this, but it's just you have to take action to get things done. You have to take action and not just theorize to get things done, and it's the same with habit building. If I say to myself, oh, yeah, um, you know, I want to go on a diet, but I, and I'm sorry, I keep using the diet thing. It's just a really good example and I'm passionate about health. So it's just what I'm using. I'm sorry. But yeah, I want to create the perfect diet. If I sit there and I'm like, hmm, should I do keto? Should I do Weight Watchers? Should I do isogenics? If I'm like sitting here and researching and researching and researching, research is great, but research means nothing without action. If I'm like, hmm, okay, you know what? I'm going to eat a piece of fruit tomorrow that's better than me spending 24 hours researching the ins and out of keto you know what I'm saying like you have to take action to achieve anything in life and just remind yourself every day that done is better than perfect because I think that that is such a powerful powerful message all right guys I really hope that this was helpful. Please report back if you like this, or if you have read this book, or maybe if after this episode you want to read this book, I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I'm halfway through, so I do plan to finish this book, maybe come back for a part two, and give you some more tips, because I'm really going to work to implement some of these that I've gone over, because it's so easy to sit here and read this book and say, oh my goodness, these tips are so great. Well, these things that I'm learning are so great, but if I never take action, like I just said, and implement them, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to be different in my life. So I need to, now that I have this information, reflect on it and figure out what bite of the elephant I'm going to start with and tackle it one bite at a time. So please let me know if you found this helpful. I do have a Monday morning affirmation for you guys because of course, I cannot leave you without one. So it's a long one but I really like it and again I thought that it was really good for Thanksgiving week. A little bit about gratitude so here we go. I am the architect of my life. I build its foundation and I choose its contents. I decorate my life with hope, health, and gratitude and I love this because honestly it's so true and I think we forget that like obviously bad things happen every day to us bad things happen to everybody but I think that people do tend to also forget that they are in control of their life if there's somebody in your life that does not bring you joy if there's something in your life that does not bring you joy or happiness or gratitude you're the architect you know cross out that blueprint cross out that person no don't just start kicking people out of your life but you know what I mean you're in control of your life for the most part. You're not in control of everything that happens to you, but you are the architect of your life. So you choose what to fill your life with and who to fill your life with. So just remember that. Remember to always have gratitude, especially coming up on Thanksgiving. Remember to have gratitude always because there is so much to be grateful for. Literally the fact that we have legs that we're breathing, you wake up every day, and you're breathing, you have something to be grateful for, so I'm gonna get off the soapbox. I just wanted to you know um remind you of that it's again, it's because I was just hanging with my grandma, like she really she's one of the most i don't even know how to say it she just she lives her life with gratitude. And positivity. Even at 96, in constant pain, struggling to walk, she lives each day with gratitude, and it's so inspiring. And I hope to be like that one day. I really do. So I wanted to leave you with that. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let me know and please go follow us on Instagram at Hustled Up Podcast. You can find me personally on Instagram and TikTok at Laura Anatoly. You can find Holly on Instagram and TikTok. Homegirls blowing up on TikTok, so go find her at Planning and Polish. And please go follow at Tourism More on Instagram and TikTok as well. We are still doing the dancing every day for votes. So <laughs> we're a little crazy. <laughs> I'm running out of dances, to be honest. So if you have any good ones, please send them my way so that I can learn them because <laughs> I am running out. Um, but yeah, go check us out over there. Thank you so so much to everybody who's been voting for us every day. It really means the world. I you know, I we're up against some big companies, but I'm hoping that this is our year. And I hope that you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy yourself. We got Black Friday. That's the real holiday in my eyes. (laughs) Oh gosh, consumerism. Uh, But yeah, enjoy your holiday. Enjoy some time off. Get some much needed relaxation. And I cannot wait to talk to you next week. Bye guys.